The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. ready to pump your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio on the world's most popular power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are. The Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and her sidekick, daughter, Heather Brittany, deliver lessons of success spanning the generations of the globe in their information-packed Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew. In other segments, Cynthia interviews real-life trailblazers, authors, and experts with the courage and vision who show you how to build a road to fulfillment through their unique books and services. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be informed and entertained. For your free lifestyle empowerment coaching session right here on the airwaves, turn up the volume, relax, sit back, and get ready to be inspired. Because Star Style, Be the Star You Are, starts right now. Well, hello, Power Partners, and welcome to yet another great radio program of Positive Book Talk. I am your personal growth success coach, Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Heather Brittany won't be with us today, so I am going to be doing this solo, but we're still going to have lots of fun, and we're going to bring you two great authors that are going to show you a incredible insight into different kinds of life. Today we're going to be celebrating the 11th anniversary of Be the Star You Are charity in our segment one, and then you'll get a poetic glimpse of war in Iraq through the heart, mind, and soul of a soldier with Daniel Griffin's new book, Love and War. And in our third segment, we're going to go to the Oregon Trail of 1845 with Gail Rogers, Nicoa's woman, and then we will actually go back to the time of Jesus with the Gnostic Gospels and her other book, Castles of Dreams. We are a show about following your heart. We want you to live your dreams, and this show is brought to you by Be the Star You Are, nonprofit corporation, and produced by Star Style Productions. The miracle moment for today is being brought to you by Be The Star You Are, celebrating its 11th anniversary of making a difference and giving back. If you would like to sponsor this show or be a partner or collaborator with any of the outreach programs that Be The Star You Are does, please contact us at 877-944-STAR, that's toll free, or email info at be the star you are dot org, and this is from one of our former guests uh, and a uh, an endorser of all our books, Dennis Waitley, who is an author and speaker. He says, "Forget about the consequences of failure. Failure is only a temporary change in direction to set you straight for your next success." And that's what we are all about here at Be the Star You Are is. Planting the seeds of hope and planting the seeds of success for you so that you can be the person that you were born to be. Now, I can't believe it. Today is the actual 
11th anniversary of the founding of Be the Star You Are charity. It seems like just yesterday or the blink of an eye we were celebrating our big 10-year anniversary, and now already another year has gone by. And, you know, to date, we have served 209,800 individuals, individuals within 72 organizations. We have had more than 230,000 volunteer hours, and we have distributed way over $1.6 million in resources. This past year, we were nominated for California's Governors and First Lady Service Awards, and we were touted with a five-star rating as a top rated nonprofit by the watchdogs in the industry, GuideStar and Great Nonprofits, and we were named as a Women's in, um, Empowerment top-rated charity in the Empowerment Campaign. So congratulations to all the volunteers, and we thank all the supporters for their help. Uh, the, our radio bro- uh, program has been broadcasting live actually since 1998. We started it the first year we started the charity. It wasn't until... Uh, 1999 that we got our 501c3 status, but we started the radio show a year before and the charity a year before, and we're so thrilled that we have been uh, broadcasting live ever since. We've had lots of changeovers and lots of different uh, networks that we have been on, but we've never stopped broadcasting. In that time, I have interviewed more than 1,800 authors, experts, and professionals, which is Pretty amazing. And in our Star Teen Book Review team, our teenagers have read and reviewed a little over 500 books, and that is with a collaboration of uh, the Reading Tub and what those uh, interviews and reviews are published by the publishers on the websites, uh, and also they are for teachers and librarians and parents. We've also had three major outreach success stories, our first one being Operation Ground Hero after the attacks on America on September 11th of 2001. Be the Star You Are was one of the first charities to offer support and resources to the victims, several hundred local volunteers, as well as volunteers around the country. Help Be the Star You Are shipped over 50 pallets of uplifting materials valued at over $57,000 to the survivors of the Twin Towers, and that was uh, a major accomplishment. The second major outreach, a national outreach, was during was called Operation Hurricane Relief, and it was after Hurricane Katrina and Rita in 2005 when Be The Star You Are partnered with volunteers in the South and delivered $27,000 work, uh, worth of books and resources to library schools, groups, and shel- uh, shelters. And then we had Operation Fire Relief in 2007, and it was the devastating Southern California fires where over a dozen wildfires raged uh, and raged for over two months, left leaving thousands of families homeless. Uh, Be the Story worked, worked with several relief agencies and delivered $10,000 worth of books and holiday gifts to children. So that no one had to go without during the celebrations of December of that year. We have also produced two um, best-selling and award-winning books, Be the Star You Are, 99 Gifts, for Living, Loving, Laughing, and Learning to Make a Difference, 
and the follow-up, Be the Star You Are for Teens, which boasted 38 contributors and has just recently gotten some amazing reviews. You can see and buy the books at BeTheStarYouAre.com, or you can find all the information about Be The Star You Are at BeTheStarYouAre.org. And we would really, really love it if you would consider making a donation in these times where we're really in these economic trials, I would say it's been a really tough year. And uh, the, the come, getting donations has been really hard. So it's, it's challenging to keep our services going, to keep our offices open without your help. If you're interested in making a donation of any kind, you can go to BeTheStarYouAre.org, BeTheStarYouAre.org. There's no that in there. And just click on Donate, and it will take you right to a page where you can make a donation of any amount. We are running a special promotion right now that if you buy a case of books of either Be The Star You Are, the original, or Be The Star You Are for Teens, we'll match with another case of books and send this to a charity of your choice. So there's information on the website, or you can email info at be the star you are dot org. I wanted to just give you a couple of quotes from some of the um, people that we served. For many years, we worked with the juvenile halls, seven different juvenile halls, and this is just from one girl who wrote and said, I wanted to thank you for the inspirational book she sent us at the center. It really means so much to us. I think there should be more people like Be the Star You Are in the world. Another one, this came from actually the New York Fire Department. It says, you guys that Be the Star You Are the best. Thank all your volunteers from all of the firefighters, rescue workers, and their families for the thousands of books, tapes, and CDs you provided us during this time of horror. Be the Star You Are was one of the first to respond to our needs after 9-11. You have no idea how you made a difference for New Yorkers with Operation Ground Hero. We appreciate what you are doing. And from the Family Center Safe Place, we have a thank you for supporting our population of homeless and runaway youth with your kind donations of books, tapes, and magazines. Your efforts are sincerely appreciated. There are numerous, numerous uh, testimonials that you can read at at uh, so make sure to do it. For many of the charities that we serve, and we've served over 72 now, the gifts that we, the books that we give them are sometimes not only the first book that these women, children, and families have received, but they might be the first gift they've ever received. You know, we, what we're doing here at Be The Star You Are is we are fighting illiteracy. We have a motto, to be a leader, you must be a reader. And the cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers and businesses is over $25 billion per year. Illiteracy is a growing epidemic which causes irreparable damage to our society. Low literacy and communication skills have been identified in major studies as the contributors to general conduct disorders, psychiatric disorders, criminal behavior, and adolescent suicide. Now, according to the Education Portal Report, 44 million adults in the United States are illiterate, and each year that number increases by 2.5 million people. Now, 50 million American adults 
are limited to a fourth or fifth grade reading level. Between 46 and 51% of American adults are below the individual threshold of poverty because of their inability to read. Now, last year, nearly four in ten fourth graders nationwide failed to achieve even partial mastery of the reading skills needed for school success. What you need to know is in our highest poverty areas, nearly seven in ten fourth graders fail to read at a basic level. Now, to determine how many prison beds will be needed in future years, many states base their projections, their projections on how well current elementary students perform on reading tests. Now, that is a sad statement. Stronger literacy skills are really in order for all Americans to take full of advantage of continuing lifelong learning opportunities. Now, what many people don't know, of the one billion illiterate people in the world, two-thirds of these are women. On average, illiterate women will bear six to eight children, compared with literate women who will have two. Infant mortality rate is reduced by 20% when a woman has just four years of elementary education. And as the education level of adults improve, so does their children's success in school. So our goal is to help the low-literate adults improve their basic skills, which has a direct and measurable impact on both the education and the quality of their children. We like to say that we plant the seeds of literacy and we grow people. These are some of the statistics that are for the United States uh, on literacy. 46 to 51 percent of people with the lowest literacy skills live in poverty. 50% of adults can't read a book written in an eighth grade uh, level. 20% of Americans are functionally illiterate. 17% of people with the lowest literary skills are on food stamps. 70% with the lowest literary schools have no job, not even a part-time job. 75% of unemployed adults are illiterate. 75% of employed adults have difficulty reading or writing. 75% of those on welfare cannot read. 60% of American prison inmates are illiterate. And here's a biggie, 85% of juvenile offenders have difficulties in reading. Now, 75% of Fortune 500 companies provide some level of remedial training for an estimated 8 million workers, but this costs the businesses $300 million per year. So the number one reason cited for illiteracy has been the lack of access to books. And that's what Be the Star You Are has, uh, has really filled that void because to live and prosper in society, all people must be empowered with self-esteem and become lifelong learners with access to knowledge and skills that can sustain us at work, at home, and in our communities. Now, as you know, Be The Star You Are is a 501c3. It's the mission is to empower women, families, and youth through improved literacies, tool for living, and positive media. Consider making a donation today because you can make a difference. Read, lead, and succeed. The website, again, to make a donation is bethestarur.org, or feel free to send it to P.O. Box 376. Moraga, California, 94556. Thank you so much for celebrating our 11th birthday party today with us. And when we return from break, you're going to meet a former soldier, 
an author, Daniel Griffin, with her true tales of love and war, written through poetry. Stay with us. I am Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are, and we will be celebrating all day. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Get a positive prescription for living and discover a cure for adversity when you make a difference in the lives of others by donating to Be the Star You Are, a 501c3 top-rated charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for living. www.bethestarur.org. All donations are tax-deductible. www.bethestarur.org. Be the lucky star. Looking for unique, one-of-a-kind gifts for the special woman in your life? The Carmony Collection creates handmade handbags, clutches, candles, and canvases from vintage and recycled fabrics, bangles, and beads. Be eco-friendly and fashionable with prices for all pocketbooks. Visit www.carmonycollection.com. That's Carmony with a K and Collection with a K. Or call 925-785-7827. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. It's the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Now, back to the show with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Well, thank you for staying with us as we celebrate today the 11th anniversary of Be the Star You Are charity. We'll be celebrating all day, and we have special authors on the show for you. War, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again, sang Edwin Starr in the 1970 anti-Vietnam hit song. Today the words are more relevant than ever. Captain Daniel Griffin shows how love conquers fear through her poetic journal entries about the horrors of war in her book of love and war, Notes from the Heart of a Soldier. Welcome, Danielle, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thanks, Cynthia. How are you? Well, I am so great, and it's really an honor to have you on the show. I I believe that you are our first soldier, and I really, really want to thank you for all your courage and what you have given and your your love, your heart, and, of course, your soul, to help our nation. Now, you began your military career in high school, and I wanted to ask you what were your early aspirations for being in the military, and did you ever think that you're going to end up deployed in Baghdad? Well, honestly, I didn't think out that far. I needed uh, money for college. I mean, that's why most of us joined, so that we can get the military benefits, the GI Bill. And so uh, that's when a recruiter came and told me what you can have, I immediately went home and had the folks sign the paperwork. So that's pretty much the way that goes. 
and that was a that actually was a good thing. Except <laughs> after several years of being in the military, you are deployed, and you have written this beautiful book in poetry as part of journal entries. And I wanted just to talk to you about your time there. First of all, you were one of very few women that were actually in the area. Tell us what that was like. Um, well, it's difficult because you're isolated. And so, you know, you're kind of spread out. Um, particularly I was isolated because I was the only uh, female officer working in our battalion headquarters. So it's me and a bunch of guys. And, uh, you know, being in a war situation is not exactly touchy-feely. Um, and sometimes you just need somebody to talk to and vent with and... Uh, and that made it hard on me. Did you? It's not, but you, you never lost the faith. That um, I wanted to talk about some of your different poems that are in your book. And we're talking to to Danielle Griffin, who is a captain, and her book is of love and war. One of your entries is called "Losing Myself," and you say, "With yeah. each passing day, I seem to lose the capacity to feel. I feel less happy, less sad, a little less gregarious, and a bit." less mad and i'm frightened i'm not frightened nor am i courageous i just am this one really hit my soul very deeply because it seemed to speak truly from the heart of what most people must be feeling like in a war situation can you just explain a little more how you get to that point of just feeling like you have personally disappeared well, I mean, it, it's, I imagine I call it a coping mechanism. You know, people around you are dying. Um, that is really hard for me to take. That is hard for most people to take. But you're, you're constantly being bombarded. You know, uh, where we were at, you know, we had a lot of mortars incoming. And so, you know, you're always being bombed, being shaken. And initially, you know, you're extremely fearful and, I mean, in order for your body to cope with that, you know, some some of your senses is kind of dull. Um, you, you can't. How did you, how did you really find to cope? Because, you know, throughout your poems that you write, it sounds like, as you said in the beginning, it's just really frightening. But then you had some, uh, a few instances where you say you just sort of, all of a sudden it becomes routine, and you don't mm-hmm. even realize that it's there anymore. Exactly. You, you fall into a routine. You adapt. I mean, you adapt to every day what's going on. I mean, that's human nature. But, you know, as far as how I did it, you know, I say it's all God. You know, yeah. God gives us the ability to adapt to whatever situation that we're in. You know, you can't spend a year away from home being homesick. You know, you can't. You, you adapt to what's there. You have to be strong to keep your own sanity. You have to encourage your soldiers. You have to get the mission done, and you have to do it to the best of your ability, and you can't do that in your normal world. And what about the people that you met? Because you have journal entries in here that it's like being a woman, you would have to go in very often to uh, speak with the other women, or maybe I shouldn't say speak because you didn't, you know, difficult language barrier, but at least to smile and be the woman in there. And over and over again, children and other people are saying to you, where's your husband, where are your children, because this was sort of foreign to them that you would be a soldier. 
Iraqis are extraordinary. It's just, you know, again, it's a whole different culture. And in their, they're not accustomed to women walking by themselves, especially not with being escorted by a husband or someone not having children or especially surrounded by a bunch of men who are not your husband. Or surrounded by, by, by men with you holding a gun. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's funny. I mean, all of us have guns and such, but it was like, I guess I was just type uh, sort of an anomaly, you know, and, and uh, it, it was very, for the Iraqi women, you know, like I said, if they're surrounded by men, it's very intimidating. But, you know, I found just to see my face, and to see, oh, she's a woman, you know, she's she's not going to do us any harm. It seemed, just 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 kind of settled things, and I I I I found it really intriguing. I went into one house, and you have, um, you know, all of these women there, and uh, you know they were just they were kind of gawking at me, and the senior male who is the only person who's really doing the talking and escorting soldiers through the house, he tells me, you know, my mother says that God's going to bless you, and she walks up to me and kisses me on both cheeks, give me a big hug, and I just thought that was just very cool. Oh, that must have <laughs> felt really good. I mean, that's where the you know, love comes in. Everybody's in the burkas and the whole nine, but I, I thought that was it was an extraordinary feeling that you're there for the right reasons. Well, having faith, having faith and having hope is what keeps you going. And I was wondering if you might want to read any of your passages or if you have a favorite um, a poem in the book that you would like to read at all. Um, my favorite would probably uh, have to be when I'm talking about uh, our enemies and loving your enemies. Is that on Loving Thy Neighbor? Yeah. That's the one I'm turned to right now, and that's the one I was, if you didn't read it, I was going to read it. This is my <laughs> favorite one in the whole book, On Loving Thy Neighbor. If you would read it, that would be fabulous. Okay. Um, on Loving Thy Neighbor. Each day a soldier dies, my spirit divides in its desire to love my enemy. Two workers found dead, an interpreter still missing. Sympathy is lacking in cynicism relenting among my comrades what can i say it's the enemy they seem nice to me yet another soldier's life is ending what argument can i give as to why the enemy should live when we bury our dead daily i greet them each day in passing and such a few words a smile an occasional touch in the pews standing beside me is it really the same my enemies Raising their voices and praising your name. A kindred spirit in a foreign land needing compassion, love, and an outstretched hand, my enemy. See, this one, this is my favorite. Uh, it's in- very interesting that that's your favorite, too, Danielle, because we didn't talk beforehand. But that was the one that I had marked as I found it to be the most poignant. After you left Iraq, how did you feel about the war? Because you are no longer in the military, now you've gone on, you've moved, uh, you know, past this. But you were writing, you were journaling while you were there? I was writing and journaling while I was there, and then I did more um, as I came back, kind of trying to, it took about a year to find my brain after I got back home. Well, you know, you talk about that, and in fact, at the end of your book, you have a whole segment that's called Lessons Learned, 
And I'm sure that this is part of coming back to, you know, this world is getting used to it again because people believe that you should just snap right out of it and forget the past, but you've seen so much. It's very difficult to do. Right. I, I mean, well, you see a lot, you feel a lot. Just being out of your environment and stressed out for a long time, it does things to the body and the mind and the soul that you just, it takes time to recover from. Mm-hmm. And how about now? How do you feel now? Oh, now I feel great. Now I'm, you're good. You know, there, there's always, you know, things that you think about and things are a little hard to deal with. Um, but, but by and large, you know, I'm a better woman. I think what's the blessing about it is that I'm able to see soldiers who were where I was and now I can help them get through it. And, and you so, work with soldiers now. You wait, you served 12 years of active duty, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then you resigned um, your commission. Yes. And uh, now you have a Master's of Science in Healthcare Administration. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that you're you're able to counsel others who are coming back from the war. Absolutely. Absolutely. That has Absolutely. to feel incredibly great because you've been there, done that, and you can let them know that, you know, this too shall pass. And it, and it does. It, it really does. It's uh, when I was at my worst, you know, I had a, a major. She sat down and she talked to me for a minute, and she said, you know, this is where you are right now. But she said, when you get beyond this point, you know, you're going to help somebody just like I'm helping you because she went through the same thing when she came back from Somalia. So it was just, you know, it is just a continuing cycle. Um, I wanted to express my feelings while I was there and back home because a lot of times when you come home, you can't talk to your family about what's going on around you. And you don't want to talk about it when you get back. And so I thought maybe perhaps this is insight for those families who have loved ones that are away or that they can't quite figure out when they get home. You know, uh, this is part of one of your other journal entries. We're speaking with author Daniel Griffin. She's a former captain in the U.S. Army. She served in Iraq. Her book is Of Love and War, Notes from the Heart of a Soldier. It is a very soulful and heartfelt uh, poetry, writing, and journal entries from the war zone. Now, and this one journal entry towards the end of your book, it's called When Something is Wrong, and you're talking about having to get getting dressed to report for reintegration. Tell us about reintegration. It, it seems like this would be a very difficult, difficult uh, time. Um, well, it, it just kind of depends on where you are. Um, the re-inter- the army is working really hard to uh, help soldiers to reintegrate back into, uh, with lots of counseling opportunities, um, you know, physical, mental, family counseling, group counseling, and things like this. Um, and, and it's a process. It's it's not perfect. I think you know we always think there's things that can be done better. But, um, but that's the same. That's the way it is in everything in life, isn't it, Danielle? Sure. Yes, everything can always be improved upon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So depending on the family situation, you know, a lot of marriages, you know, can't handle the constant being gone. You know, um, the people I deployed with, 
um, have gone for two more tours, you know, since I've been out. Yeah. You know, I, if, if speaking of that, you have some great pictures in the book. <laughs> uh, a couple, your wingman is in there, Anthony uh, Williams, and he's been redeployed, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got a great picture of you and a and three other women at a swimming pool, where you say this was your one little respite because I guess having gal pals is a little bit rare. So oh. this was the time that you could once in a while feel like you weren't in a war. It was a great day, and the irony of it is the reason that we were stuck there, because we were actually stranded, uh, I call it, uh, in the green zone at the palace, is because of all the uh, the bombs that were going off, all the roadside bombs. And is that the, the suicide bombers, too, that, you know, mm-hmm. had bombed that well, restaurant that you have a picture of in the green zone? Um, yeah, that was, that was a bomber. A suicide bomber. That was where uh, I went shopping, in that spot right there. That was kind of the market. See, I would just, just to think about it, just frightens me. So I get, I, I think the big question is, how do you overcome your fear? Now, I know you said at the beginning of the hour here that you just, it was your faith in God and just, you know, prayer to make sure that you're protected, et cetera, but is there is there some other thing that you used or that soldiers use in general? No, there's just really nothing there. I mean, um, you know, when it comes down to it, it's it's you and God. And, you know, like I said, I spent a lot of time isolated, which, you know, I think the armies learn better, you know. Uh, but, but, yeah, there's not much you can do. You're... Yeah, I would think that in such a, a dire situation, you definitely would want somebody to talk to. Now, you gave a website and a uh, some information about Operation Comfort. That yeah. sounds like a wonderful organization that helps returning soldiers uh, and their family members. And Those are, are they volunteer still... counselors and social workers? That just sounds fantastic. Should we give out that website? Oh yes, please. That's operationcomfort.com, and it is an organization that's not connected to the military. Exactly. There's no medical files that were kept mm-hmm. on record, mm-hmm. so it would be a really good thing for everyone to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, now, it was just people, for where those can, of us who care about you know our book? careers and such. Uh, it, it's a very good source, I thought. And is it someplace that you recommend now when you're uh, talking with other soldiers? Yes. Yes, I do. They have. Um, they also have that and Military One Source, which is a little more connected to the military. But at the time when I came, uh, when I came back, Operation Comfort is what what I found. They they hadn't quite implemented Military One Source, at least not fully. So, now, Daniel, yes, where can people get your book of Love and War? Notes from the Heart of a Soldier, because I think this would be a wonderful uh, gift, especially for people who have friends, family, loved ones in the military or serving in, you know, abroad somewhere. Amazon.com. It's available on Amazon. Amazon Amazon.com. The name of the book is Of Love and War. And there is poetry, beautifully written poetry, literally from the heart of a soldier. 
and I think that she puts, Danielle has this wonderful way of putting you right there in the moment with her, and all I can say is I'm so glad that you have survived all of this so that you can help so many other people. And oh. everything is going great now at home, now that you're back? Yes, things are better. So it's been a process, but, but things are definitely better. Well, thank you. Thank you, Danielle, so much for joining us. The name of her book, Of Love and War, Notes from the Heart of a Soldier. Pick up a copy at Amazon.com. And just remember to support our soldiers that are overseas. They are there serving our lives and our country, and we all need to be very grateful. I am so grateful to you, Danielle, and congratulations on writing your book. Oh, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us. When we return from break, you're going to meet Gail Rogers, an author of numerous books who believes in love, life, and the pursuit of inner peace. Stay with me. I am Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. And we will be back in a bit. Don't go away. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Hi, my name is Crystal Goodfellow, and I am a volunteer with Be The Star You Are Charity. I'm here today to ask you to consider making a contribution to this worthwhile organization that encourages and empowers families and youth at risk by providing literacy and positive programming. Please visit the website at www.bethestarur.org or call the offices at 877-944-STAR. Since 1999, Be The Star You Are has served more than 20,000 individuals and families and donated more than $850,000 in resources to improve lives. Be The Star You Are needs your support. You can donate your vehicle, buy our signature books, or make a contribution online. Everything counts, especially you. www.bethestarur.org or 877-944-STAR. Thanks for helping the kids. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR, 925-377-STAR. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. 
week, Be the Star You Are does bring you the authors and artists that enhance, enrich, and inspire. Gail Rogers writes with meticulous historical accuracy and combines fiction with fact. She died at the age of seven, and when she was revived, she was gifted with profound psychic abilities. Gail is the author of nine books. Today we'll be focusing on Nakoa's Woman and Castle of Dreams. She is a prolific writer. Welcome, Gail, to Star Style. Be the star you are. Well, thank you, Cynthia, for having me. Oh, Gail, I am so excited to have you on the show. I was absolutely mesmerized by Nicoa's Woman. I couldn't put it down. I had to read it in one setting. And you told me that you had died at the age of seven, and from that day forward, you'd had some kind of special powers which helped you write your books and look at other lifetimes. Can you first tell us about that experience and then how it relates to Nicoa's Woman? We're also going to talk about your book, Castle of Dreams, but let's talk about Nicoa's Woman first. Okay, I will. What I did is uh, when I was seven, I uh, died of pneumonia. Uh, I had a temperature of 106, and I was in a coma for days and days. And when I died, I had the most beautiful experience in the world. I describe it in my book, Gladys for the Sea and the Castle of Dreams. I describe it perfectly. And that this white light that they talk about when you die, it surrounds you all the time. It's the love of God. Uh, everything, everything there is, is the energy of God. I learned this when I was seven, but I wasn't seven. I was very old, and I, I wasn't a child when I died. I was an adult. And what it is, is that we are all in this marvelous energy of love, which you can call God, whatever you want, and when I went outside, when I followed that light, well, first I looked down in the doctor's head, and I could see his head after being so hot and so thirsty, and I found a spring. And I was drinking of the spring, and then I looked down in the doctor's head, and I was patting it. I didn't know he was bald because I was seven years old, and he towered above me. But he went in and he told my mother I had died. And she was putting ice uh, in a bucket for me. And he said, call the mortuary, call your husband. Gail has passed away. And I thought, what's the matter with him? Is he crazy? I'm not dead. I feel great. And then my mother called my father and told him to come home that I had died and she called the mortuary, and I thought, well, these people are really crazy. I'm not dead. And then this beautiful white energy I saw, and it surrounded me. It was all around me, and it started going out the window of my bedroom. And I went with it, and outside each flower had its own song there's a song in God's energy, and everything was shimmering white light of love and energy, 
And then I saw my best friend, Shane, man, heard I was dead or dying, and she was sobbing and crying. And I stopped the process, and I said, Jane, I'm not dead, honey. I'm alive. I feel wonderful. And then I saw my my body on the bed move. And then when I told my mother this, her eyes crossed. They really did. When I told her about singing flowers, she oh, didn't she believe said, you, or she thought you could be anyone crazy, this right? while I'm alive, because you'll be put in an insane asylum. And so then, what happened? How did this affect Nicole's woman? Well, it definitely did. It affected all my writing. But what happened is that I went through some grief that I lost everything in the world that I thought I had to have. It was all gone. And so what I did is I went into my soul for three nights. The first night I met the source of love, and that was this beautiful blue energy, uh, which it was just marvelous. And I had that all night long. At the time, a psychologist, a very famous psychologist, was studying me for my psychic ability, so I phoned and told him about it. And he said, ask to have it again and phone me and tell me about it. So the next night, uh, and I was into all religions, by the way, I always have. And I imagine, too, just in relating that to Nicoa's woman before you tell the rest of the story, is because God is whatever you believe God is. Yes. So it didn't matter if it was the sun or whatever. It's the spirit, the energy force. Yes, it's symbolic. There's symbolism all the way. Right. Uh, Anyway, what happened is the next night I met the source of energy, and then I saw that same energy that I saw outside when I left my body, and it was having joyous energy of love. Then I phoned the psychologist, told him, he said, ask for it the third night, and this then time, this time, ask if you can ask questions. So I said, okay. And these last all night long, and by the way, you're very hot, and you get the sheets all wet with the perspiration, and you have to change the bed. Well, anyway, the third night, it was the source of wisdom, and you cannot describe it. There's nothing on earth to base a description on it. You cannot describe it. But I did say, could I ask questions and could I write answers? And it said, you already know everything you're going to ask, but ask it anyway. So I did. I asked all these questions, and then I phoned the psychologist, and he said, bring them to me. I'm canceling all my appointments. Bring the paper to me. I took it to him, and he looked at it, and he said, this isn't in English. Did you know that? And I said, no. He said, this is in Sanskrit. So I had written all this stuff in Sanskrit, which I didn't know. Well, what does this have to do with Nicola's woman? Because with my grief and with my agony, I got into writing that book. 
I had started writing it before, but I really got into it. I wrote from my soul because when I couldn't stand this life, I went into my past life. I lived in that village. I smelled the flowers. I heard the horses, heard the dogs. I was in that village as I was writing. And when McKay bought the book, Eleanor Rawson, I just loved her, she sent it to the Blackfoot Museum, and they told her everything in it was absolutely right, even the flowers and the birds. So uh, so my question, Gail, is when you were writing Nakoa's Woman, because it's so historically accurate and yes. it's so vivid, did you do research on the book? Oh, yes. Oh, I always do research, Cynthia. Yes. Oh, no, yes. I know that I you're a big the, researcher. I went I mean, to the L.A. Before library. Before you actually wrote it, were you researching that whole time period, or did it come to you first in your dream? No, it wasn't a dream. What I did is I something told me to research the Blackfoot Indians, the Pakuni tribe of the Blackfoot Nation, and I went down to the L.A. library, and I used all kinds of books, and I took all kinds of notes. I did. I put uh, cooking, uh, everything. So where and, did your characters, I mean, it is the most beautiful love story between Nicoa and Maria that yes. I've ever, ever read. And his father, Nadison, was was Wasn't so he wise. marvelous? Did you know that Marlon Brando, when um, the biggest producers in Hollywood, this is a big compliment now for me, um, is for me, which is glorious, that the biggest producers in Hollywood, you've heard of Marlon Brando, the right, actor, of course. and you've heard of the marvelous movie, The Graduate, done by Larry Terman. That's a great classic. And David Foster had just done The Getaway. And these two were the top, absolute top producers in Hollywood. And they read my book, which was then called The Second Kiss, and they got 20th Century to option it for a movie. And I heard that Marlon Brando loved the Indians, and he had read it and wanted to play Natasin, the chief. Well, the movie wasn't made, I heard, and I don't know whether this is true, but I heard that the president of 20th Century Fox named Gordon Stolberg went out, and Alan Ladd Jr. came in, and they were not friends, and therefore my movie was not made. Which but happens I, in Hollywood I, a lot. Is there a chance that it will ever be made? Because oh, it will be made. Oh, it will be made. It'll be one of the greatest classics. I've been told that psychically, and in fact, I've seen it. Um, the Nicole's Woman or The Second Kiss are the same book. Okay. But it's, it's a now, bit... I have a, you talk about this uh, in Castle of Dreams, that you had a sister that was murdered when she yes. was 18. Yes, yes, And then you also have, you and your friend also saw in the palms that your own death would be from drowning, yet several times you've been saved from such Yes, things. yes. Well, see, I was supposed to die of pneumonia, that's drowning. That's drowning. And I've had, um, I told you about those absolutely eerie, eerie experiences, I psychic experiences, 
they're detailed in the first pages of uh, Shadow, you know, your Jesus story. Well, in in the Castle of Dreams, the divinity within. Yeah. You have many stories in there how you're able to foretell incidences before they happen. Yes. Yes, it said my father. Well, my father, after he died, has saved my life probably four times. The time in Canada when your car well, went off oh, the road? Oh, yes. My my father, when I was supposed to be murdered, well, uh, he saved me from uh, drowning in a Canadian lake in a winter storm uh, where no one would have found the car. He stopped that. Um, and then um, he stopped me from having accidents on the freeway. And then the main thing he did is he stopped me from being murdered, that I was supposed to be murdered um, at a certain time. And um, he got me out of that situation, uh, which is um, in the you know beginning of Castle of Dreams. Of and Castle of Dreams. And it's in my book, Gladys for the Sea. That's my mother on the cover of Gladys for the Sea. Now, in Castle of Dreams, you go into great detail about the Gnostic Gospels. Yes. Which I found absolutely fascinating because it's like the church, the Catholic Church or the Christian Church had rewritten the Gospels in the third century or just chose what they wanted. How... Yeah, how are these making a difference for people today? Well, for one thing, Nicole's woman is gnostic. It's definitely gnostic because the Indians, my you know that my mother's the earth, my father's the sun. That's all symbolic. Within me, we are one. You revere the earth. The earth is sacred. You don't wreck it. You don't spoil it. You don't pollute it. And your father's the sun. And This is definitely Gnostic, that God is within you. The second kiss, the first kiss, the name of the book was the second kiss. The first kiss is being born, and the second kiss is realizing that God is within you, and you are divine. That's the poem at the beginning of the book. For every man, there are two kisses. That's what that says. And so, uh, naturally... um, the way my my soul is, uh, the way it is, I you could have a choice. Now I'm not telling any Christian, anyone, what to believe. That is completely between you and your God, and your soul is sacred. But for me, I have always known since I died at seven that God is with all of us. And you know, I when in reading this, I mean, I. I feel that as well. And, you know, when they say that we're made in the image of likeness of, of God, I just believe that God is, is within us. That's why we need yes. to treat one another with love and respect. And this is, I believe, so much about Nicoa's woman or the second kiss. This is the way that the American Indians, this was their belief, too, is that was it was uh, something that was a... It was innate in them to be good. Oh, yes. And I'm so thrilled, Cynthia, to see when I get on Amazon so many books on the Indians. That makes me so thrilled. Uh, When before, 
uh, David McKay at first refused my book because they said they wouldn't do a book about the Indians. And every one that was reading my first manuscript before I had rewritten it from the soul, they said, we don't do Indian books. No one does Indian books. But now it's so marvelous to see so many of them with beautiful covers. Yes, and because it's it, people are starting to realize the importance well, Gail, we're, I'm hearing our music, which means my engineer is saying we're out of time. I know. I want to give out your website because people can go there and get all of your books, and they can learn more about you and what you believe, and that's at SojournerPublishers.com. Right, right, honey, that's right. S-O-J-O-U-R-N-E-R Publishers.com. Well, Gail, this is just really special, and I really love your stories, and I think everyone should read Nicoa's Woman, and they'll get so much information out of Castle of Dreams. It's the historical perspective about the Gnostic Gospels and what they mean to us today. So thank you, Gail, so much for coming well, on Star a, Style, a, Be the Star You Are, and I wish you many, many more years of writing more books. Oh, thank you, honey. I love it. I love it. And if you know anyone that wants Nicola's Woman, I'm giving thousands of them away. Because um, if you want any libraries or schools, I give them for nothing because I'm going to printing on demand now. Oh, wonderful. Well, so we will if I definitely help you in uh, any way. That. And I'm or, sure Be the Star You Are charity could use some, and we'll donate them to the correct charities. So, Gail, thank you for joining thank us. Thank you, honey. We have to run. Thank you all for being great listeners. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where we bring you authors and experts. Join me next week when we have another fantastic day. Until then, celebrate life and be the star you are. I'm Cynthia Bryan. I thank you for being with us today. God bless you. Be the star you are. The star you Thank you for being part of our star galaxy on today's episode of Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We hope you've enjoyed the commentary and are motivated to dream big, overcome obstacles, and realize your potential. For further information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. Join our power party next week right here on World Talk Radio as Cynthia Bryan, Heather Brittany, and the pioneers of the planet pump up the energy with positive, uplifting, life-changing radio. Until then... Be the star you are. You.